inspired by a galaxy far, far away, you're listening to Force Fan Podcast. From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. (laughs) (laughs) Nice cat, nice. Okay, Adrian and I are just having fun recreating scenes from uh revenge of the what's sith the movie we're talking about revenge of the sith <laughs> the most the most quotable star wars movie i swear to god every line in that film is quotable just about yeah i i have to say you guys this movie actually makes me really mad but anyway uh should we should we get started yeah i think we just did we, we are started we're talking about revenge <laughs> of the are, sith yeah that's it. Yes, on our third our third mini sode revisiting the Skywalker saga, and we're talking about Revenge of the Sith. Wow, yeah. All right, so I I missed the uh, recording with you two fine people for the first two prequel episodes, but I'm so glad to join you for this one. Um, this movie, what year did it come out? 2005. 2005. 2005, so I was already living in Oregon by then. So when Phantom Menace came out, I was still living in New York State, Webster, New York. And then um, in 2001, I moved to Oregon. And that's when the next two films came out. So, uh, so this like this particular movie like coincides with a huge life change for me because I had moved mm. here. Oh wow! Uh, by 2005, uh, I'd moved across the country. I had gotten a divorce, single dadding it, and raising three kids as a single father. Um, and then these marquee movies like this come out, and so we just. Grab up the whole family and off we go to the movie theater uh, for like just a, a couple hours of escapism and stuff like that from, from you know, pretty stressful. Divorce stuff is pretty stressful. And by then I was already, it was already over with. It was in the rearview mirror, but there was some stressful stuff that was residual from that, certainly. And so this movie was, uh, it, it came in a, in a point in my life where I was so thankful to have Star Wars back. And uh, and this movie in particular was uh, was a really good one for me because I could take all three of my kids to it, and it was awesome. That's very cool. That's beautiful, John. I'm, I'm sorry I mean, about the situation, the, but yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, well, life happens, you know. So how 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 would you say that uh, that painted your 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 view of the movie initially? Well, obviously, it was um, you know this is the third part. In the prequel, right? So we'd gone through The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, which were two movies that I loved. And now here it is. This is the movie that we're going to get the transformation, the fall of Anakin and the rise of Palpatine and all that stuff. So going into it, there were certainly some things that we knew we would have to see in this film. Um, You know, uh, they introduced Dooku. We knew that there was not going to be a Dooku later. So I assumed going in that we'd see the end of Dooku. Um, I didn't know if we would see the end of all the clones or not, um, because we don't really see clones in the future. We see stormtroopers, but they don't seem to be clones. Um, (laughs) So it was cool. It was cool coming into into this film, kind of knowing some of it, but seeing how they present it. And boy, they did a fantastic job. They really did. Yes, it's very visually gorgeous. I the the opening scene for this for me is maybe one of the most stunning and maybe unique 
yeah. opening sequences in yeah. all of the Star Wars movies. I mean, they all traditionally open in space, but this one is the maybe or definitely the most visually interesting um, because it kind of you're in space, but then you're like right in the action, um, flying I'll, with Anakin and Obi Wan. I'll agree with that, but I'm going to say, I'm going to amend it saying it's the most visually stunning since the very first time we see a Star Wars movie. Because the blockade runner and the- Save it for the next episode, John. I know, I know. But 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 that to me, I mean, but since like that moment in cinematic history was so huge, and we will save it for the next episode, that um, that this, this moment is just below that, in my opinion, of like, you know, opening for a Star Wars movie being just like, wow, you know. I but I will add this. This movie has Obi-Wan and his beard is personally everything I aspire for in terms of facial hair. <laughs> You and me both, man. That is oh my yeah. god. That is goals right there. There's a there. gorgeous beard on that man. I don't know if it's real or or if it's a studio like project, but uh Obi-Wan's beard is legit in this whole film. It's the best part of the yeah, movie. He looks good. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what about you, Cat? First time with Revenge of the Sith. Um yeah, I, you know, I saw this like I saw all the other ones. It wasn't opening weekend. I saw it at the Cinerama here in Seattle. I'm pretty sure I went with my dad. I presume I went with my dad. Um, and I, re- <laughs> mainly I just remember <laughs> being sad, even though I knew how it was, you know, how things were going to end up. <laughs> Just kind of wanting to yell no. It's like a horror movie, you know, or a train wreck happening in slow motion. You just want to yell at all of the characters like, don't don't go through that door. Don't jump in that speeder. <laughs> um, so so that's kind of my main takeaway. I also just remember being really um, disappointed with how Padme's story ended up, even though it wasn't particularly surprising. Mm. Um, given that, of course, she's not in the original trilogy. So, but I do, I do remember being like, what the heck, George, come on, you could well, do better. We'll, we'll get to that, you know, when we talk about the end of the film, you know, certainly I've got my views on that and questions that I have maybe, uh, in, in terms of how that played out. Um, but, uh, let me ask you both this. How old were you in 2005 when this came out? <sighs> Oh, that's let my John. I have to do math now. I well, was twenty. I was You're the smart one. You I should was, have that. <laughs> I was twenty three. Okay, twenty three. I think I was twelve, thirteen. Wow, wow, wow. So I was thirty four. <laughs> <laughs> and I probably took a twelve year old with me to see it. Oh, I love oh, sorry, it. I was twenty two. One 22. of my own kids. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, I was uh I was still fairly young dude dad at that at that point. And uh yeah, it's a good time. So that just kind of like cuz I I was listening to your episodes uh before this uh because I do listen to our episodes and you guys were talking about how young you were when you saw Phantom Menace and and that's really I'm like I was married with kids. <laughs> Not that young. So Adrian, I think in a previous uh, one of these episodes, or maybe in our just text channel, you mentioned that the Revenge of the Sith was another bootleg experience for you. <laughs> Care to elaborate on that? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
as mentioned in the Phantom Menace episode, yeah, um, for some reason the prequels just ended up being that kind of situation. Uh, but uh, yeah, a con- little context first. Uh, it's 2005. This is the first uh, Star Wars, major Star Wars release for me where I was able to kind of join in on the hype with other people. Because again, I mentioned it before, growing up, Star Wars was more of a just me thing, right? My parents weren't into it. My siblings weren't into it. So it's just like mostly just like my own uh, my own fandom, right? By middle school, obviously, I had other friends and a band director that was really into Star Wars too. So everybody, I had a lot of people to talk to about it. Um, one of my band directors, uh, after school, right, I went to the band room to pick up my, my clarinet. <laughs> and he's like, hey, Adrian, come over here. Uh, Got to show you something. I'm like, okay, cool. So he walks me over to the uh, auxiliary band room. I walk in and there are three or four life-size stand-up E's for Pepsi commercials, right? It's a Pepsi stand-up E, but it's Darth Vader, it's Yoda, it's a clone trooper. And I th- it's and I think uh, I think it was two clone troopers, actually. He's like, take your pick. Take one home. Whoa. I'm like, really? I'm like, you sure? It's like, yeah. Yeah, so obviously I take Vader, right? Like, this is Darth Vader. I got right. a life-size Darth Vader with a Pepsi logo on it, at his feet. Of course <laughs> I want this. Then, uh, nice. he, then he gave me a... Uh, uh, an inflatable uh, Jedi Starfighter, Anakin's yellow one. I don't know where he got Whoa. all this stuff from, but he was like, here you go, man. He knows I was all into Star Wars. He was just this into Star Wars. That year, we uh, played Star Wars music for the concert, and I dressed up like Darth Vader, and we <gasps> played out this little lightsaber fight in the middle of the show. Fantastic, right? On top of that, um, uh, my friends, right, were, were t- totally into it. Uh, I, got, I got my first toy lightsaber, legit toy lightsaber, an Obi-Wan Kenobi lightsaber, of course. Uh, of course. We had a bunch of action figures. We would go over to his house every day and just watch the movies and just play with the figures. Oh, it was totally fantastic, right? Problem was, my parents worked, so they probably wouldn't be able to take me to the movie. And yeah, opening weekend shows up, and I don't watch the movie, so I'm bummed out about it. The following weekend, I believe, I think it's Friday, Friday night, right? I get a call from my friend, Adrian, my dad got episode three on DVD come over <laughs> and I'm like what what do you mean he you're a liar it's like what do you mean you got it on DVD that's not dude it's right here come over so I tell my mom hey uh his name was Dante Dante got Star Wars he got the new one can I go and she's like oh I don't know Miko it's pretty late you know it's it was like 9 30 at night or something like that and I'm just begging mom please it's the new Star Wars I've been dying to see it and he's my next door neighbor he's just like two houses down right I mean, I'm like, right, wow. I'll be right here, mom, please, mom, mom, please, come on, please. Mom. And she knows I've been dying for it. And she's like, she finally is like, all right, all right, just don't stay out too late. You know, I thank her. I put on my shoes. I teleport, nearly teleport over it, how fast I was running. <laughs> and yeah, I show up there and there's this DVD that says Star Wars 3 on it. We pop it in and you know what? It's not a bad copy. This is like a copy of a, of a screener disc, I believe. Ooh. And he's got no this way. giant wow. TV in his living room, great speakers. He made a bunch of popcorn. We got some pop. And yeah, we turn off the lights. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. The movie starts. War shows up. I remember just that intro because you guys were talking about the intro earlier. That intro mm-hmm. will forever be stuck with me just because of how I was experiencing it. But yeah, it's the new movie. I'm watching it in the living room on a giant TV with surround sound speakers on a pretty decent DVD screener. And I just see these 
lone fighters flying through the air through space, and it's like, well, what's going on here? Next thing I know, it's full at war. And then two and a half hours later, I'm just like floored by what I just saw. Not Perhaps not the most ideal way to experience a Star Wars movie, but I would argue it's probably one of the best experiences I've had. That's cool. That's cool. And from there on out, that whole summer, we just kept watching it over and over again. It was so cool. (laughs) I will, uh, I'll let you know this. Uh, I also received a pirate DVD of Revenge (laughs) of the Sith about a week or two after the film was released. It was still in theaters. And I'd seen it two or three times by by the time I got it in the mail from a friend of mine. And uh, so, yeah, my first DVD, my first my first pirated Star Wars was actually the holiday special. Um, but my <laughs> first pirated Star Wars that was in theaters at the time was Revenge of the Sith. And uh, that's probably, I'm guessing, the most pirated Star Wars movie of all time. I feel a little left out because I don't think I have a pirated <laughs> version of Revenge of the Sith. So I didn't, I didn't I feel, feel a little bad because I'd already, I'd already paid a lot of money for myself and my kids <laughs> to see it. And, so and receiving receiving this pirated disc and watching it at my leisure, which wasn't the greatest copy. I didn't get a, uh, I got a guy with, you know, in the theater holding it mm. copy. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I had it on DVD and I could watch it anytime I wanted at home. And I watched it forever until the, they came out on DVD. Right. And, uh, yeah. And I will say this though, too, in case any official tap people are listening, I, uh, I saved up my pennies. I did some extra chores, <laughs> and I pre-ordered uh, my my widescreen DVD at Fye like two months before it actually came out. And uh, yeah, my my parents took me after work one day to pick it up, and they gave me a free poster to go along with it too. Ex- extra awesome bonus. Nice. But I did buy the DVD, and I watched the hell out of it. <laughs> yeah. And you've since bought it over and over again on digital and. <laughs> Oh god, um, like any Star Wars fan, and like you lose kind of how many times you buy the same movies over Purchase, and over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So much though about this movie. Um, you know, we finally get to see the Wookiee homeworld and and more than just Chewbacca as a Wookiee and more than just his family from the holiday special. Uh we get to see other Wookiees in action. Can I which I thought was something we never would see. Can I ask how you guys reacted uh to the so I remember when the T V spot started showing up. I remember also very vividly seeing that that famous shot of the Wookiees just kind of roaring, right? Yeah. that's That stuck with me because, like you're saying, John, it was like, whoa, more than a Chewbacca. It's a lot of Wookiees. It's, right. where are right. we? What is this? How, how did you guys react yeah. to that shot particularly? Just because, I mean, it's an OG trilogy uh, tie-in nearly. You know, We're seeing other Wookiees. We hadn't seen other Wookiees before. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't remember the first time I ever saw those images, but I, I I do know that it was before the movie started, and I couldn't wait. I was just super excited to see, oh, we're finally going to see, because, you know, the, the Ewoks were the closest thing that we were ever going to get to the Wookiee homeworld if you didn't have a bootleg copy of the holiday special. <laughs> and... And so this was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to show Chewie's wife and his daughter and, you know, characters that came from the holiday special. They obviously didn't. And we still haven't seen those characters. But um, but man, it was it was cool. It was it was super exciting. It really was. I think I mainly just remember being like, oh, that's cool. But I don't remember having a particularly strong feeling about that in regards to like 
at least because I had never seen the holiday special. So I didn't, I don't and think still really, haven't. And still haven't. And <laughs> I don't think it really pinged for me. Just aside from like, oh, that's cool. Like we get to see more Wookiees. Um, so he, well, sorry, guys. No, well, even <laughs> as a dumb middle school kid. I, I I couldn't I didn't know what I was feeling, but like in retrospect, I, I guess I was just making the connections that yeah, this is this is gonna connect to the original trio of movies. We're we're finally reaching that point where they're gonna mesh together. That's what I was feeling, and it was a special kind of feeling, you know, just like there there was a special aura with this movie that uh, I, I don't know. Well, and at the time, right, it was the last Star Wars movie. So there was definitely a bit of like, this is the end. You know, we know we know it's going to tie in to the original trilogy. But at, at the time, it was like, this is it. Like, yeah, this you're is right. all mm-hmm. we're going to get. And so and George I think- Lucas had, had said, I'm not going to do three more of these. This is it. This is the last Star Wars movie we're going to you're going to see. Like he made it very clear that he wasn't going to do three more films that take place after Jedi. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm retiring. This is pretty much it." Yeah. And he wasn't wrong, but <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> little little gear, little uh, loophole there what ended up happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think he could see that far into the future to know that um that his stories were going to be worth $4 billion to him. So. <laughs> <laughs> or at least his playground, maybe not his stories, but you know, the universe he created made him a very, very wealthier man. <laughs> so what about uh, Revenge of the Sith? Uh, really, really, really resonates with, with you guys. What, what about it is like, you know what? I love Revenge of the Sith because... I mean, there's a lot. That, I mean, it's it's hard to boil it down into one, but um, I mean, th- to me, this is mostly um, it's the f- it's the f- the fall of Anakin. It's the it's the yeah. story that we've always heard of, like and imagined when we were kids. How did how did Anakin Skywalker, Luke's dad, go from being Obi Wan's best friend to turning into this Dark Lord of the Sith? And being the baddest mofo in the galaxy uh, by a lot, and so that was that that you know that that piece of the puzzle was the one thing you know were they going to go to because we had always heard that you know he got burned up in a in a lava pit. I don't know where that story came from, but I mean that's that was floated out there. the The backstory of Darth Vader was that he was burned in lava, and that's why he needed that suit to stay alive. And by golly, they delivered that. That was incredible. I think for me, a lot of it has to do with the tension that kind of runs throughout this movie as opposed to one particular scene. And just how the tension keeps ratcheting up. And, you know, it's like always kind of constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop and you like you know it's coming and you know it's coming and having just rewatched it and I've actually not rewatched Revenge of the Sith for quite a long time and it's you can just kind of see um you know how how the screws kind of keep digging in and you're just like oh it's coming it's coming you know <laughs> fight it but you know of course it doesn't end up being that way. And honestly, as heartbreaking as it is, and I hope this doesn't make me sound like a psychopath, although maybe it will a little bit, but the Order 66 scene where you've got all of the clones mowing down 
their poor Jedi generals. Like that is super affecting even today. Um, So I don't want to say it's like my favorite, but I think it's extremely well done and affecting Mm -hmm. um, even now. So I definitely don't like it, but like I I still do (laughs) in a way. No, Um, I mean, you you can appreciate sad or negative aspects of a movie and still like appreciate the thematic quality, you know? Yeah, and so I appreciate how emotional and moving that that sequence is, um, just kind of during that whole that whole fall. I'll give you this so. too. I this particular viewing of this film for me, the thing I was most excited to watch this time around, um, and you know, thankfully because we've all been doing book club stuff, was Obi Wan and the Veractal. That scene. This yeah. is the first time yes. that I watched that scene since we like, read oh, the hey. book. Yeah. yeah, Master and Apprentice, you know, brought Obi Veractals into Obi Wan's life ahead of time and gave Ooh. us so much more that I was super <laughs> excited to watch that scene again. And I, I do think I liked it even more this time. You know, you're right. Previous viewings of that scene. I totally thought of Master and Apprentice as well during that scene. And I was like, oh, like little Obi-Wan, you know, all grown up and getting to ride a Veractal again. So you're right. Yeah, you're right. It just kind of, it helped add that little, little depth right there. Well, what about you, Adrian? No, on that too. uh, So since our last episode, I've started reading uh, Queen Shadow. And you know what? I'm glad I did because it is filling in so much, uh, thematic material for me for Padme. And obviously, you know, things end terribly for her in this movie. And that makes it that much more tragic now because, mm-hmm. I mean, the Clone War, I loved her in Clone Wars, but this book in particular is just really fleshing, fleshing her out in a way that, like, for me anyway, I, I've never really looked into, right? I've never really seen before. So I, I mentioned in our text thread that, uh, yeah, I just finished Revenge of the Sith. And I got strangely emotional. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie at this point in my life. And this is the first time where I'm like, wow, this is, I, I'm sad. I kind of want to, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little misty eyed here about, you know, over some of these scenes. This is terrible. So, yeah. And that kind of, that, that kind of sets it up to something I was mentioning at the beginning of this podcast is the end of the film and the, the, the tragic demise of Luke and Leia's mom, you know, in childbirth. And, um, for me, I remember very strongly feeling that it was a direct result of Anakin choking Padme, you know, I felt like that was the moment that really killed her and she survived long enough to give birth. But, you know, um, once the birth of the two children was over, you know, she could finally die all the way because she'd already died half the way, you know, and it really struck me this time around watching that this time, um, even though I knew it was coming, I felt it more. I don't know why. Because I I haven't wa- I haven't read that book that you're reading and uh, it was uh, yeah you know, I'm not saying I, I choked up or anything but it really like I watched it with different eyes this right, time right. it was really impactful honestly I think it's a direct impact of just like being a Star Wars podcaster you know I, I think this is the first time all the three of us are going in chronological order through the whole thing mm-hmm. since starting right yeah so I mean not to say we weren't like hardcore into Star Wars before we started this whole podcast venture but. We're really, really into Star Wars since starting this whole podcast venture. And I think that's really because I, I know half the books I've read, I would not have read everyone for, for you guys. It weren't for Kat. It weren't for you. Same John. here. 
totally half agree. the discussions, half the new uh, 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 insight I got into the franchise as a whole would not be there if not for the interactions we have. So it's true. Our our, our interpretations, our feelings for the movies are obviously going to be much more. Are they're going to be deeper? And and yeah, I think I think that's why we're both kind of feeling a little more not emotional watching it this time around, despite having seen it hundreds of times before already. Just because it's it's a new perspective, it's new insight. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I feel I feel like definitely in talking to you guys and just actually diving more into the Star Wars fandom, it's definitely increased my appreciation on all levels for these films. Um, especially being able to dive into like more of the books and stuff. Um, that's helped a lot, but I still I still spend a lot of this movie being like, uh, no, <laughs> just stop. <laughs> Everybody take a nap. Come back and think about it in an totally. hour. Totally. Um, I did see a comment somewhere um, that you know this this movie is basically supposed to take place over a few days, you know, like less than a week, basically, mm. and that during this time, Anakin is basically not eating or sleeping very much because you know he's having these dreams, he's really stressed out. It's a hell of a week. Yeah, so <laughs> can see how. He's, uh, you know, Palpatine's just kind of turning those screws even further. But you know, I do have to say, well, no, go, go ahead. ahead, no, go ahead, Kat, please. Oh, I was, I was gonna have to say when I saw this back in two thousand five, and you know, I wasn't happy about what happened to Padme, but it, it seemed like John said it kind of seemed like okay, well, you know, Anakin had choked her, and she you know, was already pretty much mostly dead. And then, um, you know, it kind of made sense for her to die. And having since become a mother of my own set of twins. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> I really actually have a huge beef with George Lucas. And it's clear this man has no idea what pregnancy is like at all, uh, especially twin pregnancy. Right, so, because when she laid on that table, there was no way there were twins in her. <laughs> She's well, way too tiny. I mean, I'm not, I can, I could do, I could do a whole podcast. Yes. I could do a whole podcast episode of like why this is not actually legitimate, <laughs> but, but it's just, I, so I find that storyline a little bit more frustrating now as a grown woman. Um, whereas when I was like in my early twenties, it was like, oh yeah. Okay. You know, whatever. Cause I had no clue. Um, so <laughs> Well, oh. I mean, as much as we love the film, I mean, come on, we, we it, it is wonky as hell. There are a lot of, but we're not going to get into. There's all a lot that of today, weirdness. We're talking. Right. Yeah. No, this is all about love. This is all about love, yeah, and I as love a Star Wars film. film, Revenge of the Sith is. You know, I, I, after watching it again so recently with all this new insight, I think I'm gonna have to put it up farther up in my, in my, uh, my list of favorite Star Wars movies. That's, that's really interesting because I think this film actually went down for me. Really? Which is kind I feel like it's kind of a controversial opinion because a lot of people love Revenge of the Sith. But I actually feel like as much as I love many moments in this movie, that the some of the wonkiness in the movie actually makes me <laughs> hate it a little bit more. <laughs> so I still love it, but I'm also like, ugh. Um let go of your I, hate cat. You gotta let go of the hate. I know. <laughs> And I should, hate is a strong word. I don't actually hate this movie at all. Um, I, I really do like this movie, but I know a lot of people rate Revenge of the Sith 
most highly of the prequels. And I actually think after having rewatched them all within like the last two weeks and trying to kind of pay attention to stuff like this, I actually feel like this film might be my least favorite prequel. Um, Interesting. Again, can, uh, yeah. We can, yeah, which I think makes me, might make me kind of a pariah in the Star Wars. No, um. no, no. <laughs> no, we're, but, we, we, we don't talk to people like that, okay? Yeah, no. But it's it's some of that little wonkiness that if I think had been fixed, it would have been amazing. But now, like, looking at it from certain angles, I'm like, ah! <laughs> so anyway... Um, but I still love this movie, and it was really interesting to go back and rewatch it after not having seen it for so long. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I, I'm going to disagree with you on one point, because this film features the most epic game of the floor is lava in cinematic history. <laughs> so for that alone... It wins. It wins. I mean, you're definitely, you're, that's true. God, that scene still to this day. Yeah. Um, that, the whole battle of the heroes the in the lava. Battle of the heroes. Feel, I like, I, I'm like a coiled spring during, even though I know how it ends up. Just that whole scene literally has me on the edge of my seat. Yep. Like. Yep. It takes all the like wonkiness tense. and makes you forget all about it. So, you know, it's it's amazing that seeing a film so many times like that emotion and that reaction is is still there. Um, so, you know, kudos to Star Wars for that. All I'm going to yeah, say. Don't get me wrong. I could I could pick apart this movie all day. I choose not to because right. my love for the prequels is so, so deep. And all, all I'm going to add on is, like, again, I was 12, 13 when I saw this. Imagine what Battle of the Heroes was like to a 12-year-old kid. Wow. I'm I'm imagining my children, and they'd probably be crying, so. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to say this. I, I was not 12 when I saw it. Uh-huh. Um, and I missed out um, because my brother and I could have relived that battle in the backyard for months on end and gotten years of entertainment out of that. Um, and you know, we were in our thirties when the movie came out and lived in totally different corners of the USA. So that was never going to happen. But to be 12 when that movie came out and reenact that scene with my best friend or my brother or whatever, that would have been awesome. A lot of hit hands with lightsaber plastic after that movie came out. I can tell you a lot of bent lightsabers too. Yeah. How do we think this movie is going to tie into the rise of Skywalker? Well, obviously, the uh, the Luke and Leia connection are, are going to be an obvious tie-in. Uh, the Anakin connection is going to be a tie-in. Um, we may or may not get some Yoda connection. I don't know. Um, I'd be surprised to see some Obi-Wan connection somehow. I don't see that coming. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how else it could tie in. Well, I mean... For me, it comes down to either something with Anakin's fall. Oh, wait, Palpatine. Hello. Yes. <laughs> Missing yeah. an obvious or, one there. Or we're going to some about something ha either. Yeah. Something about Palpatine is probably going to be important. Um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if there's like a specific scene or 
But yeah, I'm kind of thinking something to do with Anakin's fall to the dark um, because, of course, with Palpatine being in the rise of Skywalker and maybe trying to tempt Rey, um, that's the direction we're headed. So what about you, Adrian? Um, yeah, for me, there has to be an, an Anakin connection since, you know, this movie is supposed to just kind of celebrate the entire saga to an extent. Mm-hmm. There has to be some sort of connection to Anakin, the granddaddy of this whole family space opera. <laughs> um, JJ, I read a, that article with JJ where he said that his favorite prequel scene was Anakin's seduction there in the opera, in that opera house, the mm, opera house scene. Interesting. So um, that, that to me is like, okay, all right, little Darth Plagueis mm. story there. I don't want Darth Plagueis to play into this, but I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if he did. The teachings of Plagueis could play into it yes. without much difficulty. Right. Yes, perhaps. Yeah. So, you know, just based on, again, everything we've talked about and JJ's statement, uh, yeah, keep an ear and eye out for for something that connects back to, to that to that moment in, in episode three. Mm, all we right. can all hope. I like it. Adrian, where can the good people find us at? The good people can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Force Fan Podcast. And if you want to at me directly, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Lab Pro. Uh, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cat Ray if you want to talk about how Revenge of the Sith might not be the best prequel movie. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at That John Fred or on my Facebook page. John K. Frederick, or Mornings in Eugene, Oregon, on the radio, 96.1 KZL. Well, for Adrian and Cat Ray, I'm John Frederick saying, may the force be with you. And then some. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.